Hi, and welcome to Unfriend Me. Before we enter the show, don't forget, you can support this show by going to patreon.com slash unfriendme. That's patreon.com slash unfriendme. Hey! Everyone gets high, you dweeb! I'm high right now! Stop being such a dork weenus! Also, you're racist! Oh yeah, well it's obvious from your remarks that your brain is damaged from all the H you've been pumping into your flaccid veins. Oh yeah, well if you don't think we should legalize all drugs, then unfriend me! I mean, I assume your intro was supposed to be like a drug-addled intro, right? That was the idea, because it's pretty drug-addled. I mean, more than the normal screaming and yelling that I do in the intro. <laughs> it was just the same intro, but he said he was high this time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it just sounded very high, and also the racist part came out of nowhere. It really escalated. Well, listen, that's foreshadowing. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, welcome to Unfriend Me, everybody. Scott Johnson with Justin Robert Young, where we talk about the big issues of our society, our societal ills, and uh, what we might be able to do about it, or at the very least, seek understanding. That's today's goal, and we're talking mm -hmm. about the legalization of currently illegal drugs and substances that are considered uh, drugs, I guess. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get into all of that here in a minute, uh, but before we do, a reminder that you guys send in emails uh, at unfriendmeshow at gmail.com. And they they weighed in yesterday on the whole electoral college. It turns out yeah. more than we thought they might. So yeah, it turns out a lot more people wrote about it than called in. Nobody called in. No, wrote uh, about it. Sorry. Uh, yeah. As it as it turns out, nobody's like, hey, I gotta take my lunch break right now because I'm gonna yell it about the electoral college on the internet. Yeah. But here, before we even get started on that, yeah, I want to throw down the gauntlet a little bit here, Scojo. All right. You don't you don't mind? No, do it. So we got ourselves a Patreon, patreon.com slash unfriendly. Yeah. Right now, we got a little over 100 patrons. Mm -hmm. That's great. It's a nice little extra scratch for us to come out here and do this show. And uh, as independent content creators, there is never a dime that comes into any of us that is not well appreciated. Yeah. And we, we love everybody that's been there. Uh, we have now actually gotten on our horse, and uh, we are getting to you guys all the supporting documentation for all of these episodes. Uh, uh, anytime we do a bonus episode, it goes up to patrons first. But here's what I would like to do. Mm. Since the very dawn of Unfriend Me, Scott, what episode have you been clamoring for us to do, bringing it up sometimes multiple times an episode? Uh, the gas wars and whether or not we're paying too much at the pump. Okay, not that. Uh, abortion. 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 Yeah, I want that one. Maybe the most hot topic of all hot topics, something that people do. Uh, look, it is, it is a defining element of our American political experience, and I'm sure the experiences around the world. I just wouldn't know so much more about those because I live in America. Right. But... <laughs> I think that it is about time that we do that episode. However, I would like to see whether or not we could set a little Patreon drive goal to do 200 patrons. 
This isn't about money. You can pledge at whatever level you want. But I'd like to see us at about 200 patrons, just so we know that there are enough diehard people who are also kind of culpable for us doing an episode that may or may not end our careers. I just want to know that at least 200 people have skin in the game if we're going to do an episode that could be forever damaging to everything else we want to do in life. Yeah, it does feel like uh, it's the it's the right amount of emotional infrastructure that we're going to need to know that you support us at that level for us to feel okay about treading into those, those waters as excited as I am about that topic and excited is a, is a weird word to use. Um, but I am kind of, uh, I, I want to, I want to go in there knowing, uh, that it wasn't, uh, for, you know, a hundred patrons and, and, uh, (laughs) and a bunch of people in a chat room who watched the ship go down. We have thousands and thousands of people that listen to the show, and we thank each and every one of you. So, I- I'm just saying, if it could be enough to push you over the uh, push you over the edge, support the show. Well, I would greatly appreciate it, and I think that's what we're going to do uh, uh, for that. So there we go, 200 patrons. That is our drive. We will see how far we are on the road to that. Yep. Next week. The road to but- 200, everybody. Get on we board. have your emails, unfriendmeshow at gmail.com, unfriendmeshow at gmail.com is where you write in. Jane wrote, while I'm a supporter of the Electoral College, it's hampered by the groupings the votes are divided into by state, with the votes just lumped into one winner-take-all pile. It creates a limited number of statistical options. By letting states divvy up their electoral votes by a percentage of the popular vote, uh, uh, just or just popular vote by proxy. Uh, so that's basically, uh, uh, the, the, the idea here, uh, Scott, do you think that, that the winner take all thing, we, we got a bunch of these that winner take all is, is unfair or, or, uh, is, you know, that, that we should be giving up the electoral votes by percentage. Well, I mean, I think anything that goes toward the direction of having individuals not just feel like their vote matters more, but does in some way is a great direction to go. And I say that vaguely because that's a vague thing without any kind of real ideas behind it. I don't know how that can be done. But I think that's the main complaint when people talk about the Electoral College. If you live in a very conservative state and you always vote liberal, you often feel, uh, you know, like your thing didn't count, right? Because you were just a tiny little ant on a colony where everybody else was a red ant and you were a little blue ant and you couldn't do anything. I don't know to what end that, you know, how to get there or how to even give the appearance or the feeling of that. But I think that's what people are usually asking for. And as it turns out in the world of statistics, especially in advanced statistics, people who understand that sort of thing, there are all sorts of ways to play with numbers and to mess about with what uh, outcomes mean. So smarter people than me <clears throat> me will hopefully attack uh, such a thing in the future and hopefully our uh political uh, will will be in a place where we might be amenable to to such an idea. We'll have to see. Russell wrote in, says, As a voter in a non-swing state, that being New Jersey, the Electoral College both makes my vote for president irrelevant, uh, Democrats always win, and uh, uh, frees me up to vote third party without regret or consequence. I happily vote for Jill Stein for president because she has the candidate that best represented my views on the issues. How's it going now, though, with... The Jill Stein. Just wondering. Anyway, the fact that the fact that uh, sorry, 
The fact that it, is, are you are you a third party shamer? Are you is no, that a thing that you do? No, I'm not shaming anything. But Jill literally Stein, just did it. No, like, that's, like what you did is literally third party shaming. No, what I'm shaming is uh, his choice turned out to be a little bonkers. Jill Stein's kind of wacko. That's all. I mean, wait, you, you you don't think he knew that going in? <laughs> uh, maybe he did. Maybe he had full knowledge of that going in. Uh, she was, she's, but I'm saying stuff happened after the election. You're like, Oh, Jill Stein, slow your roll. So anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter for this conversation. Anyway, he says, uh, the fact that another vote for the Democrat candidate in New Jersey, uh, it would not have had any impact on the outcome. Gives me cover from the spoiler hand wringings locked into the two party structure. That said, I would rather the electoral college be abolished and we adopt instant runoff voting so everyone can vote their conscience. Absolutely. Diamond Scoop writes, as a Republican in California, I always giggle to myself whether Dem when, whenever Democrats here complain about their vote not having as much power as someone in Wisconsin or uh, whatever, my vote for president is actually useless. Uh, though surprisingly, I'd rather keep the Electoral College in place. But one change I'd be willing to get behind is eliminating the winner-takes-all system and divvying the states are divvying the votes up on district lines like Maine and Nebraska. This would break up the Democratic stranglehold on California. And New York's electoral votes would give uh, districts in traditionally red states the chance to go blue, like Austin and Texas. That's an interesting idea. I feel like we got a lot of feedback anecdotally about yeah. that same idea. Uh, Buckeye Fitzy wrote in. We know him. Hold on. I'm going to sneeze. Nope. No, I'm not. Yeah, I am. Wait. No, I'm good. All right. Buckeye Fitzy, old friend of the instance. I actually know that name. As a longtime resident of Ohio, I'm strongly in favor of keeping the Electoral College. We and our fellow swing state... With a large population, uh, sorry, Flor what? Uh, we and our fellow swing state with a large population, Florida, uh, enjoy being the only states where the voters matter, as we basically decide every presidential election. You can see why other people don't like this. But anyway, we value the trust, uh, uh, sorry, we value the trust the rest of the country places in us and Florida man to make the right decisions. Every four years plus... Uh, we really enjoy being bombarded with every political ad you can imagine and countless highway and airport shutdowns for candidate appearances every four years. With great power comes great advertisements and logistical nightmares, as they say. <laughs> that is a fact. Yeah. That was the one thing that Ashley and I bonded back when we were dating long distance uh, is that we both got inundated by swing state mail and television ads and constant annoyance. Tyler writes, one thing I do not recall you mentioning uh, regarding the creation and propagation of the Electoral College system was its roots in slavery. The three-fifths compromise in the Electoral College went hand-in-hand in, hand in ensuring that the majority slave states had equal representation as the slave population was often equal to or greater the free voting population in the South. By increasing the amount of representation uh, uh, representatives elected from each southern state and counting slaves as three-fifths, thus increasing their amount of Electoral College votes that the founders tied the Electoral College process to slavery. Tyler, I understand where you're coming from, but if we're going to get into everything in America that was shaped by slavery, <laughs> it would be mentioned every episode. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't mean that to minimize your point. Uh, uh, certainly there has been a lot written, and I encourage people to go ahead and educate yourselves on the Three-Fifths Compromise in general and how much it relates to our American fabric and quilt work. There you go. But folks, if you would like to email in, then please do so at unfriendmeshow at gmail.com. Again, unfriendmeshow at gmail.com. A reminder, 
write short emails or I will edit them and make them say exactly the opposite of the point you're making and everyone will yell at you for saying something that you didn't actually say. So do me a favor and I know when, listen, when you're looking at that email and it's a thousand words and the first sentence is, I'm sorry, I tried to cut this down. Try harder. Try <laughs> until it's a hundred words, please. I'm begging you. They can do it. I know they can. All right, let's get into the the drugs. Uh, yes. I've never had, I've never, never has an illicit drug passed my lips in my life. So I'm going to be a weird advocate for oh. pro legalization today. He's taking it all up the butt. Uh, <laughs> let's begin with the definition. The prohibition of drugs uh, through sumpulatory legislation or religious law is a common means of attempting to prevent the recreational use of certain recreational drugs and other intoxicating substances. Mm. What, Scott, what was the first war on drugs in America? What drug was it trying to fight against? Uh, uh, opium. You nailed it. Did, Wait, I? did you read this, Doc? No, I just have a, a fondness for the Old West and for uh, that era. And there was always a lot of Taka opium dens. And and uh, the, uh, the Chinese railroad worker would come over and get everybody hooked on opium and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you actually nailed it 150% right down to some of the racial coding on this, which will, again, be a repeated theme in a lot of our drug laws. But... Everything old is new again. America fought against opium back in the late 1800s, and we are currently in an opioid crisis now as we record this in 2018 here in America. But let's go ahead and talk about the progenitor. Uh, this is from the Smithsonian as they recount the opium crisis. Uh, the man was bleeding, wounded in a bar fight, half conscious. Charles Shepard, a New Orleans surgeon, was summoned to help it was the late 1870s, and Shepard, like thousands of American doctors of his era, turned to the most effective drug in his kit. Quote, I gave him an injection of morphine subcutaneously of a half grain, Shepard wrote in his case book. This acted like a charm as he came to in a minute from the stupor and was resting very easily. <laughs> Physicians like Shepard used morphine as a newfangled wonder drug. Uh, injected into a hypodermic syringe, the medication relieved pain, asthma, headaches, alcoholics, delirium tremens, gastrointestinal diseases, and menstrual cramps. Quote, doctors were really impressed by the speedy results they got, says David T. Coutright, author of Dark Paradise, A History of Opioid Addiction in America. Uh, it's almost as if somebody handed them the magic wand. Now, this was primarily used in American pop culture in two different facets. You mentioned that there were Chinese, uh, that the Chinese community was certainly one in which opium was a huge contributor, but also the more civilized white lady drug of laudanum, something laudanum. that was dropped into water yep. uh, and, and taken, was also something, uh, a derivative of opium as it was taken. This was the first modern American drug law, as I was able to find. And it was passed in my neck of the woods. Oh. It's San Francisco. Who knew that San Francisco started the war on drugs in 1875, banning the smoking of opium and opium dens. The reason cited was that many women and young girls, as well as young men of respectable families, were being induced to visit the Chinese opium smoking dens 
where they were ruined morally and otherwise. This was followed by other laws throughout the country and federal laws which barred Chinese people from trafficking in opium. Yeah. You don't really hear about the Chinese now and opium uh, products. <laughs> like, it's not well, really... That that uh, uh, was a trade issue for a little bit. Uh, yeah. In 1909, the opium, ex- the Smoking Opium Exclusion Act. Now, listen, the Smoking Opium Exclusion Act. They are singling out the smoking of opium, <laughs> not the tincture method of laudanum. Right. And the possession, importation, and use of opium for smoking. Opium could still be used as a medication. This was the first federal law to ban the non-medical use of a substance. So we don't get our first actual recreational drug law until 1909. 1914, the Harrison Act regulated and taxed uh, opiates and cocaine. And then, of course, in 1919, we get prohibition of alcohol. So, uh, Just to give you a quick uh, pop culture window on some of this, if, you, if you've heard this laudanum term, but you're like, man, where have I heard that before? Go back and watch Tombstone from 1994 or five. And Wyatt Earp's wife uh, is uh, hooked on the laudanum. That's her big deal. And she keeps taking it and she's always swilling it. And he's mad at her for doing it. And in fact, the first scene when they arrive in town and think this is the place they're going to stake their claim, uh, she's already kind of dipping into that thing. And it was used for people who said they had the vapors, which was really a weird way of saying, I have terrible anxiety and I need a way to chill out. And so they would do this and become hooked on it and were basically opioid addicts. They just didn't know that they were in 18. This was also uh, another subplot on Deadwood, as people are pointing out in mm-hmm. the, in, in the chat. Yeah, swedgen. swedgen, swedgen, he'd always say. Now, <laughs> some might say, yeah. and when you're looking at banning the smoking of opium, something that was popular with Chinese immigrants, a.k.a. at times free labor. Yeah. Uh, And then alcohol, which was also very much targeted toward Irish communities, that you are starting to see, although alcohol consumption was something that was uh, very prevalent throughout the United States prior to that, that the early 20th century was one in which we were looking to shape our world by way of legislature. We were going to enforce our morality by way of laws. And prohibition lasted from 1919 until 1933. Many people also point to the fact that bootlegging also created what we later only really dealt with as a culture uh, of organized crime in the early 1960s. So you had the birth of organized crime by the way of bootlegging through the 30s it's 40 it's like another 30 years before we even really understand and recognize that we have a major organized crime problem in america right that all that all uh is true and it was you know if you look at what they were doing in the 30s during prohibition it's it was akin to like well we're gonna get into this today but it's like the cartels now like we they, we were we were but cartels with uh, big chains of distribution of illegal substances in that case alcohol and and uh, if if alcohol had been legal during all of that time would any of those methods slash um, uh, routes of had, had would they have ever taken taken root 
Uh, some say no. Some say who knows. <laughs> uh, now, despite the fact that we repealed Prohibition in 1933, yeah. uh, that didn't stop us from trying to uh, create another Prohibition that created another massive dark market. In 1937, the Marijuana Tax Act was passed. The federal law placed a tax on the sale of cannabis, hemp, and marijuana. The act was introduced by Representative Robert L. Doughton of North Carolina, was drafted by Harry Anslinger. While the law didn't criminalize the professional the profession or use of marijuana, it induced hefty penalties if taxes weren't paid, including a fine of $2,000 and five years in prison. It wasn't until Richard Milhouse Nixon signed the Controlled Substances Act of 1970 into law that the statute called for the regulation of certain drugs and services in 1971. Nixon officially declared the war on drugs, stating that drug abuse was public enemy number one. That also led to the Drug Enforcement Agency, which uh, had a, a roster of 1,470 special agents and a budget of 75 million dollars today the dea has over five thousand agents and a two billion dollar budget with a b yeah that's big b uh if you didn't know that richard milhouse nixon was responsible for the creation of the dea or was at least uh there when it happened now you know i didn't know that until today that's intense thanks, yeah thanks nixon he's out on his ass a couple of years later but thanks for getting that one in <laughs> no, it's <laughs> It's the mid-1970s that the war on drugs took a slight hiatus. Yeah. Between 1973 and 1977, 11 states decriminalized marijuana uh, possession. So what we understand as a historic relaxation of marijuana uh, uh, marijuana use, right, or legal legalization of marijuana use, did have a little bit of a, a swing in the 70s. When Jimmy Carter became president in 77 after running on a campaign of de uh, decriminalizing marijuana during his first year in office, the Supreme Judiciary Committee voted to decriminalize up to one ounce of marijuana. However, in 1986, Congress passed the Anti-Drug Abuse Act, which established mandatory minimum prison sentences for certain drug offenses. This law was later heavily criticized as having, wait for it, racist ramifications because it allocated longer prison sentences for offenses involving the same amount of crack cocaine often used more often by poor African Americans and powdered cocaines used more often by rich white Americans. Hmm. So hmm. It's almost like the laudanum uh, opioid thing of the, of the, of the 1800s is back again in almost the exact same class uh, split way. Hmm. Back in POG form. Mm. 2010, Congress passed the Fair Sentencing Act, which reduced the, di the discrepancy between crack and powder cocaine offenses from 100 to 1 to 18 to 1. And, of course, moving into the modern era, the recent, the, the recent uh, legalization of marijuana in several states in the District of Columbia has led to a more tolerant view of recreational drug use, including uh, the current back and forth that we have uh, with the DEA of how much they want to enforce federal law over state law, right. which is something that is currently kind of going back and forth. Yeah, which is a whole nother fun uh, aspect of American political culture, states' rights versus uh, federal rights uh, and power. And to watch that happen over the legalization of marijuana is kind of fun to watch. 
because uh, I can't, I mean, I have to say from, from my formative years until today, I feel like that was the best um, PR time for anti-drug rhetoric. And I don't mean that in a positive way. I just mean they did a really good job. And by they, I mean adults and parents and teachers and people in uh, public spaces did a great job during that time of really demonizing marijuana for me. Like I, yeah. I always was like, oh, 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 marijuana. Oh, you know, like it always just seemed like uh, everybody seemed to know it was like smoking. We figured it out. It's terrible. Don't do it. That's how it, how it felt to me. And it seems like yeah. before that they weren't so hardcore on that. And it's just, uh, you know, it's like, well, just have this much and you won't get fined. You'll be fine. And then it just became the most illegal thing you could do. At least that's how I perceived it growing up. You had Nancy Reagan and her don't do drugs thing. You had Reagan himself was huge on this stuff. Like all the conservatives were like, you know, anti-drug, anti-drug, anti-drug. And what happened is that little bit of weed got so demonized in my head that it may as you may as well told me it was the blood of the Pope. We were smearing on a, on a dead carcass of a, of somebody's baby. You know what I mean? Like it was like the worst possible thing you could touch or do. So wait, so then, then, then what was then what was cocaine? Cocaine was something people did in movies. It seems so far off. Like, like you never, never want. Still in my whole life, I've never seen any cocaine. I don't know what I don't know what it looks like other than what I've seen depicted on television or in films. I've never yeah. been anywhere where I was out at a party or any of that. Plenty of parties where people are drinking and doing pop, but there was never coke. So to me, it's like Miami Vice prop. <laughs> it is like. At somewhere in Hollywood, somebody is doing it. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a say hello to my little friends, and he's covered in white powder, and it may as well be powdered sugar. Like it doesn't look any different to me. Yeah. So, uh, but but weed weed was more so than alcohol. Where, where would you put alcohol in in that in that uh, a world of that that rogues gallery that that legion of doom? <laughs> where where is where is alcohol? If, if weed was the most the biggest threat. Right. Where was alcohol? Okay, so threat went from, and again, this isn't, I don't actually agree with this order now, but the threat order was, it really felt like this. It felt like pot, number one, alcohol, number two, or at least the abuse of it. Um, And I think, I'm trying to think of anything else was in there. I mean, maybe, the thing is, like then, like cocaine, heroin, and that kind of stuff seemed like far off things. They, they were bad and ooh, whatever, but they didn't have the same relevancy. It was kind of like finding out there's a certain kind of porcupine in, in Central Africa that could kill you if you looked at it. Well, <laughs> it's, I'm, it's never going to happen to me, you know, because I'm not anywhere near this, this fantasy animal that may or may not exist. That's how all the really hard narcotics seemed to me growing up. And so for me, it was pot was the huge no-no for legal reasons, but also... I don't know. People just bought into the whole, the, the, you know, green menace, blah, whatever. And, and everybody had to look out for the gateway drug, which was, which was that. There we go. Yeah. The gateway drug, yeah. which is funny because the gateway drug became, you know, the, the, the big, the big heavy, right? It wasn't like, oh, well, if you do this, then you'll do right. LSD and heroin and cocaine and, and all this other stuff. It was, well, I guess, but it was the most prevalent. Like, like you might know somebody who, well, uh, you know, I used to be friends with Jimmy until he started smoking weed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you was talk, it, you talk to, you talk to Nick now, like my son. 
we've talked about this. Like what's the, at school, what do you hear about? And it's a, it's a lot of pills now. Like you just hear oh, about pills. Uh, yeah. yeah. People got a, a handful of Xanax they stole from their mom, or they've got um, a couple of oxycodones they keep in the car or they, you know, whatever, uh, whatever we're talking about, usually, you know, opioids and ben, benzodiazepines, I think is what the Xanax stuff is. Yeah. Yeah. Those or, are, or it's, uh, you know, half these kids, you know, they get scripts for Ritalin and then sell those up. I mean, that was, yeah, that one's a big that was, one. That was happening even when I was in college. Uh, and what's the other the, one? The one? What's the speed one that keeps you focused when you're getting your cramming your homework? Adderall. Adderall. That one's another big one he always hears about. So, yeah. It just feels like when I was in high school, it was just weed and beer. That's what you heard about. What are those guys doing? Weed and beer. That's how it was. Yeah. Now it's like, nope, they're doing, you know, basically pill form heroin. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If you look at, I mean, and and <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but pray they're doing the good stuff because when uh, part of what is uh, uh, really, really dangerous about the modern opioid uh, epidemic is the, uh, is the fact that you get a lot of this bootleg stuff. That's even more dangerous. I mean, look, having an opioid addiction is bad, right? Like if you are in beyond your, uh, you know, uh, if, if you've lost grip of the shore in an addiction with, with uh, anything like that, it is, hard to get off of it's even harder if this stuff is not uh, uh doing exactly what it's supposed to and it's some chinese bootleg uh, bootleg stuff that's been stepped on and and uh, uh ridiculous which by the way is something that's ravaged a lot of i mean even friends of mine down in in south florida because pill mills in in florida long before mr 305 pitbull <laughs> was doing Bud Light ads and Dr. Pepper ads. He was a poster boy for a, for a chain of pill mills yeah. in Florida as, when he was, when he was earlier in his career. Like this is a big major deal, which is why I was, uh, I, I found it so interesting that that was the first drug ap uh, you know, epidemic that we had to deal with in, in America was opioids. And in many ways it, it never left, but, well, uh, now it is back in a, in a big way. Yeah, we're back to it because it's now, you know, a pharmaceutical multi-billion dollar industry making these things. And when pre prescribed in correct situations with the right kind of monitoring, it's it's kind of still a miracle drug. But it's also highly addictive and really jacks with people. And then there are doctors with a little bit of shady stuff going on in terms of how they prescribe it. Stuff gets in the streets that shouldn't. The illicit, really illicit stuff gets cut meaning they're they're mixing it with other stuff with fillers so they can make more money off the batch of, you know, powder that they got. And yep. then there's weird synthetic versions that are making people literally go crazy and like tear their own faces well, off. I mean that that's, you know, we we get into salvia and stuff like that, but that 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 was uh yeah, a whole a whole nother bag of ass. Mm -hmm. Uh I I'll, I'll tell you this, uh there is a there is a tide turning when I had my back issues last year. Man, all I wanted was a script for some kind of painkiller, yeah. and it would not be issued to me. Yeah. Like it, it was, they gave me anti-inflammatories. They gave me there was a, a a drug I had that literally has never been clinically tested for back pain. Yet, as a side effect, people found that it helped with the the, the kind of back pain that I had, which was a bulging disc. But they would not. I'm like, dude. 
just give me a thing for like one and they watch me take it. Like I'm at a psychiatric clinic. Like, like you can't help me out just a little bit. No, not a, not, not a single pain pill fell into my hand in the eight months that I was seriously going to the doctor uh, and, and had a, an MRI showing a, a, a bulging disc that was, uh, you know, uh, hitting into my sciatic nerve. Yeah. Not a single one. Yeah. They will, they'll, they're, I think they're much more picky now. Uh, I think that they're under a lot of scrutiny, so they have to be careful about that stuff. And uh, I have a neighbor who just got shoulder surgery. She's been given the hard stuff, but she is self-regulating it to the point that she's she's afraid of it. She doesn't want to take them, but she knows if she doesn't take these, she's going to you know be in the worst pain of her life. So she's going to yeah. take the, the first two days, she's going to follow the doctor's instructions, and then she's immediately tapering on the third day. And he's like seven-day regimen or something. So yeah, that's a whole nother thing that happens as people go, I heard the story today on the news and everybody's dying from opioids. And so they're, they're becoming their own doctors a little bit in both directions, over prescribing, under prescribing. Uh, it's a weird time, dude. Cause this isn't some dude on a street corner going, yo, 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 you want some, you want some that's not happening. I mean, that's happening, but that's not what yeah. we're talking about. We're talking about stuff that I don't know how easy it is to get, but I think I can get online in certain places and order a bunch of pills if I wanted. Pretty sure I can do that. Uh, well, hey, listen, Scott, you can order anything online. <laughs> that's what I mean. I mean, I've never tried it. I just assume because that's the way this world works. But the convenience is ridiculous. And so it's easy for, uh, you know, white suburban kid growing up in an upper middle class house and have his parents not even know that he's uh, self-medicating while he's trying to push his football career in high school or something and. That's not the usual stereotype we have in our head about, you know, where the abuse comes from. So it's it's a weird right. time we're in for sure. This is from the Center on Addiction org. This is their commonly used illegal drug list. Marijuana, hashish, heroin, opium, cocaine, amphetamine, methamphetamine, MDMA, rehypnol, GHB, ketamine, PCP, salvia, DXM. LSD, mescaline, uh, psilocybin, anabolic steroids, and inhalants. Mm. Of those, which do you not know, Scott? Which are not on your radar at all? Okay, marijuana, I know. Heroin, I know. Opium, I know. Cocaine, I know. Amphetamine and methamphetamine, totally know those. MDMA, I know those because of uh, mostly because of Miley Cyrus. But so thanks, thanks for that, uh, Miley. Ah. Uh, Rohypnol, I've heard of, but I don't really know what it is. Uh, GHB. I've heard of it, maybe. Ketamine, I only know because Steve-O from Jackass was doing heavy amounts of ketamine and also inhalants, and it almost killed him, and I watched that the documentary. Was, that was the K in the K-hole that you were reading about in those Chemical Brothers <laughs> albums uh, uh, way back in the day. Yeah, exactly. I still listen to those guys. I love them. Anyway, PCP I've heard of, Salvi I've heard of, all these I've heard of, with the exception of the cyclobin, and I'm not totally oh, sure what... Psilocybin. Psilocybin, you would know better. That is the active ingredient in what is known as magic mushrooms. That oh. is the naturally occurring uh, psychoactive in mushrooms. Okay, cool. All right, so I do know about those. <laughs> I don't. Maybe cool is not the right word. Hashish, I have some confusion about. I know the word. I've heard it my whole life. I assumed it was another word for pot. So you tell me what hashish is. I don't know what that is. It, it it is effectively. It's just a different form of it. That that's uh, uh now what you would know hash mostly as uh is 
uh, it's kind of had a, a big gigantic resurgence because now it's vape it, it, that you can make hash oil and those are your uh, THC oh. vape pens. Uh, that's also what, where, where you'll get your uh, dabs or shatter stuff like that. That oh. that is thick, kind of like almost like Jolly Rancher consistency that you smoke, and and it's very concentrated, and it'll knock you for a real looparoo. <laughs> I've never, uh, I mean, I've heard of hash pipes, you know, but I don't think I've ever seen a hash pipe. I have held in my hands a friend's uh, uh, bong. Yeah, <laughs> that was something. What, let me let me ask you this, and then we can open open this up for uh, for 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 callers. What is the closest you've been to drugs or to doing drugs? Uh, outside of well, I've had a couple of. So I took Loratab once for a, a surgery I had. No, it, no, no, no. Not not the not the stuff that your doctor prescribed. Like illicit you, but, drugs. Yeah, illicit drugs. Closest I've ever been is like concert uh contact high type arrangement. Wait a minute. No, what about that you were holding your friend's bong? Oh, well, yeah, but he wasn't like smoking it at the time. He was like, "Hey, check it look at this." I don't even think you smoke them, right? There's like water in there and stuff. I don't know how they work. Anyway, he was like, "Look at this, dude." And I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." And that's about it. So he wasn't even doing it at the time. So it's not like there was drugs being inhaled while I was in there. He just wanted to show me he his sweet bong. He didn't say like, "Here, do me a favor, hold hold my diet, Dr. Pepper. I gotta <laughs> pull this slide." No, he didn't do that. I can't remember what the deal was. We were in his apartment. He's like, "Dude, look at this. I made this out of," and he made it out of like weird stuff. And that's what he was impressed with. It was all. I like, like to imagine that like, your friend had one of those like eight foot uh, Cypress Hill bongs, <laughs> and he's like, "Scott, you gotta light it because I can't read." <laughs> The ones that look like giant ancient pipes and stuff. No, it wasn't like that. It was like some plasticky looking. <laughs> the Ricola or yeah. blowers, but it's just <laughs> a gigantic, just like a cornucopia of weed. And then it's like one of those horns of plenty. But yeah. Just... Ricola. One of those things. But no, it was, uh, it was whatever that was. And then, and then just like concerts, you just be by people smoking weed and it smelled like weed or whatever. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I mean, a few parties. I'd be at parties where people I knew they were smoking weed. I didn't actually see them doing it, but they'd be in rooms somewhere, and then you know, a bunch of people drinking and stuff. But I never, never, you never, you never had to beg off uh, if you accidentally got into into a rotation. You never had to wave off the uh, the sm- wave off incoming, like direct smoke. Um, once at a Howard Jones concert, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a dude right in front of me, and every time he'd blow, he'd exhale, it would kind of go out and then over through everybody's hair where he was and back to where I was. So, yeah, a bit of that. Like, just, pff, dude. And it was stinky weed. I remember that. But that was forever yeah. ago. That was like 89 or 90 or something. You remember time. what show? Uh, three. What was the album? It was three numbers. Um, hold on. Wait, which, which band again? It's Howard Jones. Oh, that guy. Uh, it was yeah. 86, one to one. That's it. I saw the, I went to the one to one concert. So it was, uh, although I want to say it was, well, maybe in 86. Anyway, he, he was, uh, that was a very pot smoky place for, for a guy that was, you know, kind of new wave radio top 40. Um, and I went like that same year, I saw Metallica. I saw, um, freaking, uh, who else? Kiss and some other, oh, Ozzy Osbourne, all these kind of guys. I was really into heavy metal. And nice. you'd think it'd be worse there. It was worse at the Howard Jones concert. So anyway. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, I feel like when 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 you're when you're at a metal show, a metal show is a little bit more active. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. You got to be on your toes. This is true. You don't just spark up a J and then have some <laughs> J bro punch it out of your hand while he's trying to rage. Uh, all right. 801-285-9395. Again, 801-285-9395 is where you call in. Talk about organization uh, and, and uh, everything else you want to talk about. Who's uh, calling? Absolutely. Who's this? This is uh, Jonathan in New York. Hello, Jonathan. Always good to hear from you, bud. What's on your mind? Well, um, I had to leave my office to have this conversation, but <laughs> I, I'm an alcoholic. Oh. But I'm sober alcoholic. All right. So how long have you been sober? Six years. Six years. Well done. That's fantastic. Good and, job. Uh, I'm sorry. I, but, I, um, I, I missed the first part. What, what were you on before you got clean? Alcoholic. Uh, alcohol, he says. Alcohol. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway. A lot of alcohol and a lot of cocaine. Yeah. Oh, so you've seen the powder. You know what's up with the powder. You've seen it for real. Uh, yeah, I, I'm very familiar with it. Okay. <laughs> this is great. But uh, so, yeah, how 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 has your experience affected how you believe it should be legislated? Well, I think that I think that part of my philosophy ties back into my connection to growing up in like punk rock and hardcore, and I think that you know being in bands and touring for like 10 years um, and then kind of spiraling out of control as a result of that and then kind of getting my life back together, uh, you know, with the help of like people in programming. Now I have like, I have a sponsor, I have a sponsee. Do you think that if, if, this, that? if do you think if, if cocaine or any of the stuff you're into was less demonized that you would have had an easier time finding recovery or that you may not have ever gone down the road of it, you know, it being, how do I put this? Like there's, if if it was legal and just sort of out there and recreational, would it have felt like a thing to do to stick it to the man? Or would you have been, do you think you would have been different about it if it had been legal? If that may, if that makes sense. You know, I think that's a, that's another, that's a conversation that I've often had with friends of mine in the recovery community that are heroin because I feel like that's, there's a statement that's attached to that yeah. completely. Yeah. I think I think that um, alcohol is a really complicated conversation for the entirety of the United States, and I think there's just some people that can deal with it. There's some people that can't, and some people are, get the help that they need, and they find like a network, but other people don't. But I also think that like part of my issue, the illegalization of drugs, deals with the privatization of prison systems. And how those then in turn basically create another subsector of really bad practices in terms of the one drugs, in terms of how people are imprisoned, mm-hmm. and how that relates to what you guys were talking about earlier in terms of, um, I don't mean like using the word race, but like just like race impropriety I'll tell you what and private prisons is a totally different conversation but it's not like these laws only came around when they had private prisons right that's, like that's as long as we have had drug laws we have had uh, uh, racial ramifications for them yes we sh- we certainly have and uh, so, uh, <clears throat> oh my camera's all jacked up whenever this happens uh, uh, well we'll get to this next call first hi who's this I'll tell you what Hello? This is Einar. I'm calling from Norway. Hey, how are you? Oh, all the way in Norway. It's got to be late there. What time is it there? Hey, buddy. It's about 1020. Well, that's not bad. <laughs> I was thinking it's like three in the morning or something. Anyway, tell us your take on all this. What do you think? Well, I just wanted to talk 
uh, tell you about uh, in Norway, we have government sponsored rooms for insertion of heroin, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, the government uh, basically creates a room where you can fully legally use heroin and uh, have safe, you know, and clean needles and syringes and without the threat of spreading disease and stuff like that. Is the goal of that program to not only give them clean needles and a safe place, but is it also, uh, do they, do they get uh, therapy and help to try to get off of the drug as well? Oh yeah. All that stuff about uh, treatment and uh, to reduce, you know, the crime related to drug trade because, you know, you have to break into someone's apartment and steal their TV to buy drugs for that. Yeah. Mm, interesting. So, yeah, and this, the, the, the system in Norway is not unlike some throughout Europe where to, under, to, to try to mitigate what goes on around addiction, you would rather center it in the, you know, a, a safe government place. The, the, question therein is and that because that is a step beyond legalization right that is now government sponsorship right 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 it's it's important to note that uh, there is not legalization in norway in the same way that it is in portugal for example it's just that it's legal to take heroin in you know uh, in a room that is under supervision by the government without the threat of being arrested for it Right. And uh, if you are busted with drugs in Norway, you don't necessarily end up in prison, but you get a fine or and get registered as, you know, someone who has used drugs or been busted with it. Yeah. I like this Viking way. Thanks for the call. That's awesome. I shouldn't say Viking. It's not very nice. Uh, (laughs) All right. Yeah. Scott and and, uh, 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 caller, you can answer this as well. Of those that we listed, I'm taking off marijuana. I'm taking off hash. Okay. You can legalize heroin uh, and you know, cross off opium too, because that's a different thing. Okay. Heroin, cocaine, mm. amphetamines, methamphetamines, MDMA, rehypnol, GHB, ketamine, PCP, salvia, DX, DXM, LSD, mescaline, psilocybin, steroids, or inhalants. And right. th- take off inhalants too, because that's like sniffing pain. Sure, sure. Why? So, so caller, uh, uh, sorry, caller, what's your name? Hey, my name is Adam. Uh, usually find me as uh, Chewbacca. Oh, I've seen your name in there. Um, hey, so, so uh, yeah. tell, tell us your thing, uh, but before that, answer this question. Which of those that he listed legalize, would you, would you, legalize, yeah, legalize three, three of them you say, um, Justin, or not, two? Just one, okay, just one. Just one. What do you want to legalize? I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think if he actually said it or not, but uh, current, from the research I've been uh, seeing about, uh, I think either LSD and uh, as far as a uh, one of the hallucinogens uh, for the, for the sake of uh, PTSD uh, relief, it's been there's been uh, some research saying that it's actually been helping some veterans uh, in wartime efforts to actually get past uh, some of their uh, some of their traumatic experiences. So yeah, as far as experimental, I would probably go that route. Mm. Um, and that's probably the only thing I can actually see uh, with evidence. Right. As far as like okay. personal preferences, I can't I can't go that way. But as far as evidence, that's yeah. probably the only thing I can say. Yeah, it's hard uh, for sure. This is hard acid. for me too. This is good. Legalized be- acid. You heard <laughs> it first. <laughs> well, some call it LSD. Um, You'd call it acid, sure. 
Well, uh, let me okay. Let but me throw if, mine out real quick. I'm gonna say of all those things you mentioned, uh, actually, it's gonna be the same thing. LSD, because I think LSD's got there is already a ton of interesting literature and uh, study and stuff done. There could probably be more. I think there's therapeutic uses uh, that could be with modern technology turned into much less uh, trippy drugs and and more uh, therapeutic drugs. So I think there's possibilities there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with the listener. Okay, go ahead and tell us what you're yeah, gonna tell whatever, us. Whatever whatever drug yeah. is, I'm gonna uh, legalize anabolic steroids. Like that that's already just made our sports better. <laughs> you drug freak. All right. <laughs> so um, I'm gonna try and make this uh, quick as possible. Um, I used to be within the uh, legal team back on my uh, when I was in service uh, within the Navy, and part of my job was actually. Um, prosecute people or at least do investigations on people that were uh, caught violating the UCMJ or Uniform Code of Military Justice. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I had to see probably around the 2009-2011 was the increased use of spice and bath salts. Mm. And this was before there was any regulations actually stating that it was illegal. We actually would see it in gas stations being sold right next to your mints. Mm. So it was actually a problem that we had to go through. Um, and it wasn't until about 2010 that we actually say, for people who are not aware, the reason why they're called bath salts is because that's how they would legally be able to sell. Them. Right. Uh, that they, well, yeah, they, they, yeah. Like they, they are, yeah, not they got around that. Yeah, they got they got around that little loophole saying that it's not for human consumption, and that's yeah. how they were actually able to sell it that way. However, yeah. that didn't stop people from putting it on their uh, skin for, you know, absorption through that way, mm-hmm. or people just using spice as marijuana substitute. Yeah, and the spice. So spice is the stuff. The guy I saw. I don't know how many people listening to this heard this story on TMS, but we saw a guy downtown who was standing there with a thing of food and then just biffed it. And I was at a train station. I ran over there to see if I could help him. And he was really unresponsive and kind of shaking and all weird. And finally, some cops showed up and says, I don't know what's wrong with him. Maybe it's maybe he's got uh, epilepsy or something. And the cop goes, nope, I know this guy. This is Spice. And don't do, oh, yeah. don't do Spice. And I thought, what the crap is Spice? So I went and looked it up because I didn't really know. It's synthetic marijuana, which sounds cool, man. You hear that and go, oh, dude, synthetic. That's great. Robots. Let's go. Let's have some marijuana made by robots. But you find out later, no, it's like that stuff will jack you up. That's not just normal pot. There's it's some, bad. Yeah, it's, real it's, bad. It's bad. It's it is yeah. it is truly bad because I we used to have to keep in like an evidence locker of this stuff and how available it was to our uh, to our sailors right outside the base was uncanny. Yeah. And I've I had to probably get at least a good number of them sent home mm. because of this stuff. And were they, did you, were it's they full blown addicts? Did you feel like these guys that would have to go home or was it just breaking the rules or what? No. Uh, I, I don't, I can't exactly remember anyone that was full blown addict. The only addiction I've ever had to deal with outside of that was probably a uh, cough syrup or uh, robotizing mm. or as they like to call it going robo. But yeah. back to the, spa- the spice that was, um, it was mostly just like being caught with it because, you know, they bring it back to the base, but do, you know, someone said they had it and then we'd search their rooms and find it. Mm. Um, but, uh, full addiction, uh, I'm going to say that, but it's, they definitely had episodes. I would, that's, that's probably what got most of them caught. Yeah. Was having episodes on base. Right. 
because that stuff yeah. that stuff's uh, known. By, by, by the way, in in my gigantic list of drugs, commonly used illegal drugs, DXM is the active ingredient in in you know the the Robitussin that people will oh. mix up to make like purple drank or or something like that. So yeah, if you yeah. are if you're, if you're if you're messed up, if you're robo tripping, then uh, <laughs> that you are on DXM. That's uh, awesome. He's my favorite rapper as well. I really enjoyed his work in the nineties. Uh, uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> now I don't think I've actually said this out loud yet and I can't believe it. So me, Mr. Innocent boy who thought marijuana was the worst thing he could have as a kid and, uh, everything else was a mystery or a TV prop. Um, yeah. I am all for, and I have no desire to start smoking it or eating it or whatever other way you get it, but I am all for, uh, marijuana legalization in this country because you said on this show yeah that there is a desire if 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 it were legally well if it's legal i'll try it but i'm not like yeah Yeah. i'll i'll eat a gummy or something i'm but i'm what i'm saying is i'm not going to go all right my new lifestyle includes a little time with old mary jane every day i'm not doing that i'm just i'll try something because I because it'll be legal. That's so like, you're you're gonna go back to your friend's garage with his eight foot bog, and you're like, <laughs> I'm ready now, James. Now I'm ready, Jimmy. Uh, he's gonna be sitting there in his Obi Wan Kenobi robe. <laughs> I knew you'd come. I love this visual, but um, well, there and and so some will say, well, gee, Scott, how can that be? What's the deal there? I have just. I don't know. I feel like I've gotten as I've gotten older, I've gone I've I've learned that demonization of things is a is a is a funny bag and and uh you know, you saw alcohol go go through this. I don't drink, I don't have really any big desire to drink, but I wouldn't want alcohol to be illegal again. I think that uh there may be some exceptions to this, like synthetic weed or what they call it? Um he just called Which it one? the one he just said, the guy that was here. Uh Oh, DXM, DXM. D- yeah, that uh, thing. Uh, ro- robo tripping. Uh, no, not that. The other one, the the fake weed, the the synthetic weed. Spice. Spice. Jeez, spice, spice yeah. must flow. Um, there are probably exceptions or or plenty of examples of drugs in some category that should just straight up not be legal. I, I'm not arguing for the legalization across the board, but if you're gonna make it legal for somebody to go and drink like a crazy person at a bar somewhere. I don't know. I don't understand the difference between that and letting them have. How how marijuana. do we? So so legal is is also kind of a weird distinction because there is a difference between making it legal and making it harshly punished. Right. Mandatory minimums, even for those who are for it, is supposed to be a deterrent. So you know that if you even touch this stuff, and uh, specifically in enough of a volume that you could be looked at as selling, then you are going to jail for X amount of times. Mm-hmm. And the judge, no matter how much it was actually your friends, uh, you're done. You're going like that is, that is a wrap. If you are found guilty on this, right? Uh, where are you? Let's even say something that is, uh, let me ask you what, what, what is, what is the worst on that massive list? Heroin, opium, cocaine, uh, methamphetamines, MDMA, GHB, ketamine, salvia, DXM. But uh, w- which of those do you think is the worst? What is what is the real King Kong at the top of that lattice? Well, of the of the science we have, opioids are the are the ones that are have the clearest amount of um, addiction and recovery problems and recurrence. 
and all that. So okay. I'm gonna so, say, so would you say heroin? Heroin would probably be the biggest. You know, like just you're literally shooting an opioid into your veins. Right. Uh, uh, so let's let's use heroin for an example. Yeah. What should the penalty be for that? Are you going to jail? Should you get a fine? Um. Here's the problem with heroin. <laughs> You become basically a non-functional person after a while on opioids of all kinds, heroin being one of them. So if you are that deep in, you've already lost your job, your family, your wife, your house, your things, your stuff. I mean, this is, this is addiction. Right. right? It's full-on addiction. And since that is such an addiction. And by the way, let me, let me, let me clue everybody listening in at, at, while we're talking about demonizing. Every single one of these things that I've listed, there are people that you have met in your life that are casual users of all of it. Right. Cocaine, heroin, uh, 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 methamphetamines, rehypnol, GHB, PCP, salvia, DXM. There is somebody in your life that was living what seemed to be a good life that might not ever face an addiction consequence for their, for their, right. for their habit. Right. Now, they, maybe they have a little less money than they would have in their pocket. <laughs> maybe they aren't achieving full potential, but they are. there are recreational people and there are probably recreational people in your life that are using these things on a fairly regular basis that are doing fantastic that you would look at and say, I wish I had their life. Not yeah. knowing that that include that included possibly micro dosing MDMA. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. There's no there's no there's nothing about any of these drugs that guarantees addiction. I think there's higher rates depending on the drug. I think opium addictions are have a higher rate i have a doctor friend who would concur but i don't have any numbers to back that up so don't you know email me and say geez dr johnson well, I, opium it's, opium's a a hard thing just because it is so uh easy to get right and, and and we have inconsistent state laws on exactly how easy it is to get not only that well you, you what you just said is kind of gets to my point which is there's there's a cultural aspect to it that is making it worse like it's 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 one thing if it was some dirty nasty thing you could only get in some crap alleyway from, you know, somebody scary who might have a knife or a gun. You can get this from a sympathetic doctor. You can get it from your neighbor because she had a whole bottle she didn't use when she had her surgery. You can, you know, there's ways of doing it that are that are so much easier and so much above board that you actually feel like maybe you're not doing anything. Well, wait, hold on. Let, let's let's let, let, let let's bring it back to the penalties though. Yeah, penalties. So here's what I'd say. They're getting fined. Where, where, where do you, if you could make the perfect Scott utopia, what is the harshest penalty for, let's say, dealing drugs? Dealing drugs? Or just, okay, so not taking, but dealing. Dealing. The harshest penalty for dealing. Repeat offenses or first time? Just let's start with the first time and then you can uh, 2x for every repeat. Massive fine first time. And by massive, I mean like, I don't know, five, six hundred dollar fine. Okay. Thousand bucks, maybe. Okay. So that's your first offense. Second, third, fourth offense. Um, so dealing heroin. I'm dealing heroin to children. <laughs> and I get a $500 fine. Well, no. If you're dealing. Uh, see, this is why it's hard. Everybody thinks this is easy. It's not. Like, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't have enough legal limbo bimbo in me to, to say, but I feel like I feel like it's got to well, be. No, so forget. Let's let's throw out the legal element and just say morality morally because these are moral laws. 
Yeah, these more. are laws in which we are we are enforcing because we believe that. Hey, look, you look at this, you know, spread out over enough time. It's pretty obvious. This is what happens. If a so kid, are, if a dealer is selling to a bunch of kids, yeah, it probably should be a harsher penalty. More yeah. than five hundred dollars. Yeah, I don't know what the, what it would be, but yeah, let's say it's five thousand dollars. You were caught doing so, that. If you're caught again, we're, you're going to uh, double that and spend a month in jail or something like that. By the way, I'm guessing if I'm dealing heroin to children, I don't exactly have a 401k I can tap into <laughs> to pay that $5,000 fine. So we're going to also have to figure out a way that I can I can, I can can deal with the fact that I can't pay the fine. I see I what you're liking. saying, and I know exactly where you're going with this. Let me ask you the same question. What, how would you, what would you do with heroin? Because the only other option is if you're not gonna if you're not gonna regulate it and dictate it and and law you know put laws around it then the only other option is make it 100 percent legal everybody's making their own choice take as much heroin as you want if you OD oh well see ya like that's the answer that's the only other thing outside of what we're talking about so what would you do with heroin I have significant questions about exactly how effective drug laws writ large are. Yeah. I think there are, there's far more damage that we do to ourselves, creating a black market, oftentimes a violent black market. than we do protecting somebody from themselves. So would I prefer for someone to have to get, you know, a, 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 a doctor's notice or something and be able to go to a CVS and buy heroin mm -hmm. or to set your age limits, you know, to say, well, must be 21 years old. Oh, I remember when I did 21, I got so high on heroin and I <laughs> went out with my friend. Uh, uh, by went out, I mean, I, we left the kitchen and went to the living room. <laughs> I don't imagine people on heroin are necessarily tearing up the town. No. Uh, yeah, I would. I, I think I would prefer that to drug violence and gang violence. And and I, I do think that there is a correlation between the two. I, I would I would rather people take those risks than to be complicit in the creation of a black market. I think I agree with you where re the reason I'm hesitant for the hard stuff. Is. um. Actually, I don't know why I'm hesitant about the hard stuff. I See, think because that thing you 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 just said something before that was, that was true. Mm. These uh, pills, the, the the pills that we uh, uh, prescribe and then get kind of traded or or whatever, they are just they they are they are 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 oftentimes as uh, uh, addictive as somebody going out to you know a uh, a. Uh, uh, weird McGirt and buying heroin, right? It's easier. Yeah. You can do it without intravenous uh, application, right? You can just be walking down the street and, you know, somebody else is taking a Tic Tac, you're popping a, a uh, you know, some kind of pain pill. Yeah. So we're, people are getting super effed up, like very legally, very easily. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, so what is the hard stuff? Well, I mean, that's the new wrinkle. Like this opioid thing that we're dealing with now uh, is the new wrinkle in that it is so common and so easy and so whatever. I mean, I've got probably five neighbors within walking distance where I could go get a handful of the pills they didn't use after their eye surgery or something. 
So it's it's not hard to get that stuff to a point that if you're if you are addicted to the stuff, you're gonna you're gonna have a problem. Um, however, if you suddenly made all that legal, maybe it just doesn't do anything. It's kind of like this: like I have friends in Colorado, and I have friends in Washington, and I have friends in places where pot has been made legal. I have friends in 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 Nevada, and recreational pot becoming legal did not have any of them run out. And even try pot, let alone become potheads. They they're just like, well, it's like anything else. I'm either into it or I'm not. And I happen to not be into this in the first place. When I could get it illicitly, it turns out I don't want to get it when it's even easy to get. I think where it gets dirty for me is if I can go to the CVS, buy a bag of heroin uh, from one of the shelves, because now it's this money making thing and it's potentially they're going to make money on the misery of others. And I know alcohol does that already. So I, I get that. Uh, but let they, me let me ask you this: Compare your potential disgust with walking into a CVS, or even let let's take it to another level: walking into Heroin R Us, a a heroin superstore for all your heroin needs, right? <laughs> yeah, black tar and let, whatever. Yeah. Let's say let's say your disgust for that idea. Compare that for the dystopia that I'm sure your dad would think. Like you could go to Las Vegas and there'd be a Walmart sized place where all manner of weed is, is sold to uh, anybody, uh, you know, past the age of 21. Like how different are those ideas? Probably not all that different, except there's a lot of science that argues marijuana does not have the addictive qualities. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that anybody's more logically right, but just right. that I, I'm sure the idea, if if your dad was alive and could see the, I'm not kidding, Walmart-sized dispensary yeah. that I walked into the when we were in Vegas a couple of weeks ago, yeah, that would be dystopia, right? That would be the moral fabric of America coming undone. Yeah, he probably would see it. That well, I don't know if he would. In particular he was pretty open-minded guy but there there be there are people sure. of his generation that would just go there are yeah. people in their 70s and 80s now that would just go what are I and mean, they probably are doing that this is why this is yeah. why yeah, yeah no you're all- you're you're probably right i just i just don't i mean the question is if none of it's illegal then is any of it bad <laughs> you know what i mean like what is is there any downside to it and the problem with the experiment is you can't tell until you do it right well it's so so let's let's not think about it from our perspective that we're going to go out and campaign, which is, by the way, why none of this will ever happen. And my, you know, <laughs> something that was very fairly popular, like weed, took so long to become more legal because no uh, uh, no candidate's going to stake their candidacy on like I'm the weed guy, <laughs> like light them up, like. Uh, so, forget about going out and campaigning for it let's say we are going back in time and we can never enact these laws to begin with yeah would you um i mean that's a complicated question yeah i would however Uh, up to and including how we got a time machine yes it would be a complicated (laughs) question all right forgetting that let's say time machines are common but let's say i could go back and not enact any of this stuff the reason they were enacted is because society freaks out and it decides that that it's uh, that it wants to hold certain things to a certain standard and those standards shift and change and evolve. And they're certainly doing that now with marijuana. I'm just trying to imagine a future where that shifts for cocaine or, or, or heroin. 
I don't know how it happens. Like you maybe be able to figure out a derivative. Like there'll be some masterful, you know, guy. Some guy found some company. They figure out a way to make H light or something, and it's like this really great heroin-like thing without the addiction. I mean, I don't know. That's possible, I suppose. But I just have I mean, a hard that, time seeing a, a, a that was that was the modern uh, pain pill idea. Like that, all all these pills that we know now, yeah, they sold to doctors as a non-habit forming pain yeah they were full that of had power that had the power of these opioids but don't worry they're, you can prescribe they're full of they're, such, they're, they're so full they're, of shit those guys they didn't tell us the truth is the problem or they didn't test it enough or they didn't do whatever i mean those things are genuinely like i've known enough pill addicts to know that there is as freaking rough and it, it it leaves a trail and and making that legal those trails are still going to be there and there may even be more trails, or maybe there won't. See, that's the other thing I'm thinking. Like, I always well, go back I mean, to this. But here's... Yeah, go ahead. My father was an a, a, a alcohol addict. Yeah. My, my father was an alcoholic, and, and it ruined his life. It ruined my relationship with him, and it ruined his relationship with his wife. It ruined his relationship with his kids. It ruined his career repeatedly. Uh, and it's a tragedy. It's yeah. awful, yeah. but life goes on. And thankfully, I had responsible people around me, chief among them my mom, that raised my brother and I. But does that mean that we should prohibit alcohol? Yeah. You know? It, it, would it have been better if my dad was sober? Yeah, it would have been awesome. <laughs> like, I'd have my dad in my life. Probably right. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. I think I, I think I, I get it. It's just that we we have a dichotomy in our society which says, if a thing's legal, then there's going to be a big industry around making the thing that's in demand. The supply needs to now be yeah. above board. This is happening with pot right now. The pot business is a, is now and will continue to explode. It is going to be huge amounts of money. Uh, in the in the legal distribution, as long as they can keep doing it on the state by state basis, and maybe perhaps eventually federally, but there's big, big, big money to be made, and there are people willing to go get that money. So that, in theory, happens to every one of these ten things you've listed here. If they yeah. just suddenly lift the ban on all drugs, and I I just can't see them doing it now. If I could choose, I think I'm in line with the idea of just do it like you either create a big criminal underground by by not making it legal or you try to make it legal and then you still lose a few but you don't lose as many because you don't have the peripheral loss you don't have all the other connected crime you don't have all the other things that happen connected with it so i think i'm on board with that it just seems like it's never gonna do it's never gonna happen maybe the uh, legalization of drugs beyond a certain beyond, beyond a, weed beyond weed or or weed like weed level stuff like you know i don't i can't think of another equivalent weed's really the big thing i mean weed shouldn't be in there it's a freaking herb it's a thing that grew you didn't have to go cut it up from something and make it into a powder I mean, those, and snort those it. magic mushrooms <laughs> that's true well that's another one probably okay that one that one's next take that one off the list if anyone's dumb enough to eat one of those, well then, all right. Just don't, you can't drive though, or we'll arrest you for that. 
Well, yeah. Well, that's that's a whole nother thing. Right. right. But that's what I'm saying is like start with the right. stuff. Magic, that's... magic mushrooms. But I mean, and then basically, if you're legalizing magic mushrooms, then you might as well legalize LSD. They're doing basically the same well, thing. Well, if you do that, you may as well do PSP. And if you do PSP, you may as well do opioids. And then we're just kind of nothing. P- PSP is legal. Or did I say PSP? Yeah. If you want the PlayStation Portable, it's legal. You can get that. Actually, they don't make it anymore. But uh, you can get a Vita. But here's the important bit. Uh, drugs. They're weird. And this is this <laughs> <laughs> this is a weird time for drugs, I think. Maybe one of the weirder, because we're in this modern age where it feels like we should have all this crap figured out by now. And on the one hand, we're, we're letting up on marijuana. And on the other hand, we've got this opioid thing. We don't know what the frick to do with it. And, and that one, part of the problem there is you do have multi-billion dollar corporations who are directly benefiting from the influx of these pills. Who holds them to account? I don't know, man. I don't know. So if you make it legal, then maybe I have, I have, I have, I have some news for you. Yeah. There's multi-billion dollar organizations that are benefiting from the sale of heroin, cocaine, MDMA, and everything else on this. Yeah, list. Yeah, but they're not pro- like, just, publicly traded on the stock market. They're not something I can invest so in. That, not... that that's where our morality. No, stops. but I'm saying I'm not saying anything about the moral boundary there. I'm saying. If I mean, we, these are again; these are laws of morality, though. You can't untangle that. No, you're right. You're not wrong about that. What I mean, though, is if you make them legal, then the rest of the world can look at Anheuser Busch and not see them as an illicit criminal organization. They see them as a legitimate product maker and trader. The same thing would happen with all of these drugs, and is happening with pot in a limited way. And if there was legal heroin companies that were making heroin and you could just Amazon it to yourself. Yeah, sure. I guess. Why not? I still rather play a video game, make it expensive. That's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Just, just do it. Lift now it. you're in. Now I'm in. Scott Let's just Johnson do it. Wants legalize heroin. I don't know that there's hashtag. A- <laughs> I mean, I kids. The problem is I'm complete agreement with you. I'm a naive if I don't realize, or if I don't at least acknowledge how much stuff comes from the illegal part of it. The fact that it's illegal just creates this huge underground nightmare across the board. People die for it. It's bad. And I don't mean the people who are hooked. I mean, the people who are smuggling it in a plane with a, with a freaking condom up their butt and it bursts and they die. Or somebody gets their head cut off in Juarez, Mexico, because he forgot to tell the other guy when the drug, uh, crossing was going to happen or like all these weird little side things we don't ever hear about they go away if it's legal suddenly it's just Bausch and Lom has a line of freaking pot soap bubbles you know <laughs> like it so so I mean that would I mean, that would definitely happen in fact I think I could probably walk out my front door and buy that I could get that delivered to me tonight yeah it'll happen for sure but anyway uh yeah 2016 uh these are drug deaths According to drugabuse.gov, uh, heroin, 15,000 deaths, natural and semi-synthetic opioids, 14,000, cocaine, 10,000, methamphetamine, 7,000. But your champion, and boy, howdy, since 2013, has this been a tremendous spike? Synthetic opioids, other than methadone, 20,000 dead yeah that's pretty bad these are just overdose these are these are overdose deaths yeah you would have lost if this was legal you'd have lost those people anyway is the is the thinking like it's not like if this was legal they go 
oh, well, maybe I don't need this stuff anymore. I mean, they're addicted, like hardcore addicted. If you lifted it right now and said, these are no longer illegal, there are another 20,000 people completely and utterly hopelessly addicted to those to, to opioids. They're not going to suddenly go, oh, well, now that it's legal, I'm going to get my life on track. It's, that doesn't work that way. So I don't know how you deal with that. That's why opioids are the weird wrinkle in this argument. The rest of it, I kind of get. It's just like, eh, mushrooms, who cares? Freaking LSD, we got good data on that. Pop, so dumb now anyway. But then you get the opioids and like, ah, it is, people are dying. I mean, like, look how far it came. You, We began this by you talking about how weed was the green menace when you were growing up. Yeah, it and was. If there was public enemy number one. It was stinky weed. The evil, the kingpin. Yeah. And now, you know, somebody walked up to you. I'm if somebody if somebody didn't walk up to you and said uh, at, at the meetup and say, I'm so high right now. And everybody had a good laugh. You know, then I'm sure there were plenty of people that were super high that said hi to you. And right. were like, ah, what a great time. We're having a great time together as good friends. Sure. I'm baked. I can barely see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. I mean, I don't know. My whole my whole thing is just I wouldn't want all this stuff anyway. So making it legal doesn't make me want to run out and do it. Drinking's legal. I'm a legal adult. I could go out and go buy as much booze as I want, but I don't because I don't care. And I think that's how you most people would you be. Should, you should you should break it on your on your uh, <laughs> on your porch like a prohibition officer with an axe. <laughs> I'm into that, but but the, but it's not like I'm going to rush out or you or anyone else we know is going to rush out and go, got to fill my belly with these pills. Let's go. <laughs> like, nobody's going to do that. Those who here's, are already hooked, maybe. Here's what I do want to yeah. uh, No matter what, and we had somebody call in that was addicted and is in recovery uh, to, uh, he was an alcoholic and somebody who used cocaine. Uh, no joke. I mean, we were joking a lot about stuff here on the show. If you've and you know if you are addicted, yeah. Now you might not want to admit it, but in this safe space where our voices, for whatever reason, are are inside of your head, we're talking about this. You know, talking to yourself that things have gone too far. Yeah. And if that's the case, then I would very much encourage you to seek help because there is, and I have a very relaxed concept of of where drugs should be legal. Right. Or how legal things should be. But if there's one part that I feel you need to be ethically proactive about, if that is your stance, it is taking care of ourselves, of ourselves and each other. So please, please, please go find help if, if, if things have gone too far on any of these that we're talking about. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. hundred percent. And uh, for those. And, 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 and with, and with addiction in general, I'd be that to, food or sex or gambling or any any of these things that that we do know can trigger uh uh you know these reactions in your brain where you feel trapped in a cycle please 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 go help yep get get get, do, get help there's plenty tons of places for it and uh you should do it now uh because we had such a riveting back and forth about our opinions toward the end i did miss a handful of calls i apologize to you guys for that uh please send in your emails about this topic and let us know what you uh, either had to say or would like to say. That's unfriendmeshow at gmail.com. We want your feedback. I have a feeling we're going to get a load. 
of emails this week. Yeah. So no, I think fun. I think we will uh, as well. Again, unfriendmeshow at gmail.com. Remember to put in uh, the phone number into your phone, 801-285-9395. Again, 801-285-9395. Put it into your phone. Send me a tweet at Justin R. Young. And uh, I will I will retweet it. Yeah, he'll I retweet love it. To see when anybody does it. He likes that. He likes when people uh, put things in their phone. It's gonna do it I for like, us. Uh, don't forget our website. Give me my digits. <laughs> our website is over at uh, frogpants.com/unfriendme. You can check that out. You can find Justin and I on Twitter. I'm at Scott Johnson. Okay. He's at Justin R. Young. Uh, fact, don't put don't put it under unfriendly. Uh, put it under sexy boys with three X's and uh, an I for a Y. No, it's perfect. That's yeah. You'll get way more traction out of that, especially sexy from Justin. Boys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. May all your marijuana be medical. Next week, next week. Oh, yeah, next week. We're debating whether or not the Simpsons is good. Oh, yeah, whether the Simpsons is good, was ever good, is good now still, was only good to a point. All those questions. We're going a little lighter next week. Is the Simpsons any good anymore? Uh, When did it stop being good? One of us thinks it stopped at a certain time, and one of us thinks it's still good. We'll let you try to guess who, and Mm -hmm. uh, we'll talk to you next week about how that goes. And we'll even bring up the Apu thing a little bit. We'll talk about the Apu uh, controversy. Uh, but that won't be the main thing. The main thing is the Simpsons any good? Should it go away? Should it stay forever? Uh, let your voice be heard next week on Unfriend Me right here at frogpants.tv at 1 p.m. Mountain Time, 12 p.m. Uh, Pacific. Uh, we started a little late today because I'm dumb. That's going to do it for us, for me and for Justin and for you. We'll see you next time. Bye, Unfriends. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>